Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher. I am joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. And we appreciate you listening to this podcast. And we would love it if you gave us a review or rated this podcast. It would help us out a ton. Uh, it also is the only way you can get into the NBA bubble and watch the playoffs live. If you've got to review our podcast, they'll just let you in. Just go to Orlando, knock on the door right. of the arena. They'll let you come watch the playoffs. It's pretty awesome, right? Five, five just stars. Show, just show right? them your phone. Oh, yeah, it's no, got to no, be five, yeah, five stars. stars. Sorry, Absolutely. I should have mentioned that. It's got to be a five-star review. Yeah. Four stars won't get you in. No, it won't get you in. No, no, no. Yeah. Adam Silver will just be at the door looking like his vampire self. And, uh, I was about to show my age and say David Stern. No, nope, David Stern is a... dead. He is no longer oh. living. Uh, oh, so Adam was Silver, definitely wrong. who looks like a vampire, will open the door for you and let yes. you watch the NBA playoffs. Um, anyway, we'd, we'd love it if you do that. Uh, also, please subscribe uh, to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, because then we just show up on your little mobile device when new episodes come out every other Tuesday. Um, that would be awesome. Today, we are talking about My Chemical Romance's 2004 album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, and I honestly don't remember who did the research for this. <laughs> so, Kyle. Kyle. It's Kyle. Kyle did the research. So you I, asked him to do it today. That's proof. So he's probably really ready. Yeah, that's proof I, that we <laughs> don't uh, rehearse this or talk at all about what I, we're doing before we do well, it. Well, we, we, we finally got rid of our backlog. You, you, we were very, for, for middle-aged men with children, we were very prepared. We had a deep bench we did. of podcasts. We had a good uh, bench, but we we officially released Yellow Card, and uh, we've got to record one, or one will not come out. Uh, and so uh, we are recording this one, and uh, unlike all the other episodes, too, actually, we're recording this, and it will come out very soon after. So there's a good chance that if you uh, Real time. Like, text us, Facebook message, we will actually know what you're talking about when you refer to the thing that we were talking about on the podcast, because very often someone's like... Uh, actually, it was this, and I'm like, I have no idea what we're talking about here because it was three months ago that I recorded that. So, oh yeah, that we were talking about that today. Like, I, I had a friend that was like, "That was so funny when you said blah blah blah." And I'm like, dude, I have no memory of that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, we've all got kids and don't get <laughs> we, enough sleep, probably. So we it's talked hard to for remember. an hour. We talked for an hour beforehand. We talked for an hour afterward. <laughs> it all runs. Blake together. edits it. Movie magic. <laughs> It we is. So that's the magic saying. of podcasts. In case you didn't know, uh, sometimes these get recorded a little previously to, or um, not previously. I can't even think of words tonight. So anyway, Kyle, why don't you take us away and I'll, st- I'll shut up and you tell us about <laughs> the three cheers for sweet revenge album making or anything you found about it that you thought was interesting. Okay. Well, I did extensive research in the last <laughs> few hours and, uh, but I, I do want to start, I actually want to start with a story um, because I have a very distinct memory tied to this band and it actually involves Chris. I have no idea if he remembers this, but like, um, when we were all younger and playing shows together, uh, like rant, like just randomly Chris and I would start talking about records. I would definitely say that over time, like we, like we liked each other fine, but if we talked about records, that was, pr- I mean, that was probably it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, are you listening to this record? Oh, that show was fun. Cool. You know, that was about it. Well, I remember st- us packing up one night and you being like, hey, Kyle, uh, have you heard of My Chemical Romance? And I was like, no, I haven't. What's that about? And you're like, uh, Steve-O says they're a band of vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I I just remember being like, what? <laughs> You're like, yeah, man. I think they're like vampires in a band. Dudes that think they're vampires. And I like it's always stuck with me every time I think it, you and My Chemical Romance are synonymous because it's like I just so think of that. And I also think of that like now think of that and then someone listening to My Chemical Romance for the first time and being like, is this these guys vampires like this yeah. is kind of vampire you know like on the, on the last episode we said that punk rock with a violin was the best like short description of a band but <laughs> band of vampires sound is pretty close second <laughs> <laughs> for a description for my chemical romance i would say it's it's pretty apt well and well, when, yeah when you when you first see them like there's some obvious aesthetic things that stick out like before the music and then the music's amazing but yeah, it's kind of confusing when you first see them. You're like, wait, what is, is this? What is you guys just a shtick here? But they're not, well, obviously. But when, when I told you about the band, I'm sure like I was just like, oh, yeah, I, I don't even remember what songs they have. But the guy in the front, man, he's got a lot of makeup on. <laughs> Dude, the thing is, like, I would say that this I would say that this band uh, before getting into the specifics of this album, I would say absolutely you see something like this and you're like is what what is their shtick you know is this their is like they've get, clearly got a gimmick but after listening to this band and like loving them i think that they're just thorough and like they have a they have a yep. theme that they go for and it is it does not stop with with the music it doesn't stop with the guitar tone it doesn't stop with anything like there's a look there is a story i mean they're just so freaking thorough and and like the look of what they did with this record was very much a part of the 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 whole part of uh three cheers for sweet revenge so yeah i um uh well i guess i'll talk about that in a second we actually talk about first impressions of the actual record itself but i'm i am glad that i didn't see this band before I heard this band because I I probably would have written it off because like most of the people that looked like the press photos of Michael Moore Romance were not bands I were I was just I just wasn't into most of those kind of bands around that time and uh and so I I do like that aesthetic after I hear it the music it works really well especially because like this album had an aesthetic Black Parade had an aesthetic uh was it Dan- Danger the, Days? Yeah, Danger Days has an like, and they all have a different thing, and the, and uh-huh. then the, and everything goes with it. Like you said, they go all in on like outfits yeah. and look and artwork and uh, clips in that Danger Days. It's like the clips between it with the, the announcer the guy, DJ. Yeah. the DJ, and it's like, and I love that. I, there's not very many bands that do that kind of like Beatles, Sergeant Pepper's kind of thing, uh, you know. And uh, so I really love it, but it probably would have been something that made me discount them. Uh, if I would have seen it first. Um, so I'm glad I didn't. Well, I, I would say that like, cause I know I, I picture the exact bands that you're talking about. And like, if I had seen them first, most of those bands I would write off as style over substance. Exactly. And that was and not the case here. Not at all. Right. And, but, but at this, all that being said, I mean like, dude, <laughs> you know that when these guys first hit the scene, 
hot topic was like calling their their t-shirt mill and they're like save all the black t-shirts we've got to print my chemical romance and nothing but you know like that's that's all we're printing stop that, the alcohol that and nightmare before christmas those are <laughs> the only gonna... two things we're gonna sell in the store yeah yeah i mean and that's the other thing i that's the other note i wrote was uh like it's like tim burton good tim burton could have created this band you know it's interesting you say that because I've got a note that's very similar in a, in a second. So we'll talk okay. about that. Okay. Uh, well, you want me to just give some quick yeah, facts? So give some quick facts, quick facts about the making of or the album or release, any of that stuff. Hit okay. Us. Well, it was released June 8th, 2004. Good year. Very good uh, year. It, was re- it was recorded from October 2003 to February 2004, the Bay 7 Studios, Valley Village, also Sparky Dark Studio in Calabasas, California. Um, the thing clocks in in under 40 minutes. And it was produced by the great Howard Benson, um, which, dude, that guy's catalog is insane. Um, yep. And and really, I wanted to ask your opinion on this, Blake, because I don't know that I was able to put my finger on this prior to like diving into this the, the, uh, today and just listening to this album over and over again. But I feel like, um, like this record doesn't sound awesome. And I don't mean like it doesn't sound good. I just mean like it it has a very specific sound. It's intentional. It's almost like it's like lo-fi arena rock. You know what I mean? Or anthem rock. And and I know that that's on purpose, but like I don't know that I'm throwing in three cheers for Sweet Revenge to show people like, listen to how good Howard Benson's production is. You know what I mean? I agree that which is why that timeline surprises me uh, that they took four months to do it. Um, right. I thought this was probably because this was still reprise or reprise. What are they? Whatever. Yeah, reprise. They, reprise. Uh, which is it was a subsidiary of Warner. So I mean, mm-hmm. they were signed to Warner essentially. I mean, yeah. for this record because this is their second record. I mean, the and it's like leaps and bounds beyond production wise what their first one was, but it is definitely not the polished. Uh, thing that the Black Parade is, uh, right? And, and there's when we get to track by track, there are some specific things that, like, I am like that it does not sound good. So I don't know if this is a Howard Benson. You know, he was a huge producer at the time. He was one of a handful of people that were getting thrown to all these kind of. And so you you got to think sometimes those guys are taking paycheck kind of things. It sounds really good though. I don't think it sounds bad. There are just a few things in it that There's, like seem kind of lazy. The guitar tone is, is purposeful. I think, I mean, I think oh, they, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little bit more, um, kind of a seventies rock kind of thing, which I think is definitely on purpose. Cause I think there's no doubt that uh, the guitarists are very influenced by like old classic rock stuff, because then you, especially when you listen to the black parade, I mean, it's just got like that stuff all over it. And so I think that they're, they're going for that kind of guitar tone of, uh, not quite as, polished a little more there's, gritty there's no question that they're going for it because i'm i'm gonna tie two i'm gonna tie two episodes together for you real quick something we talked about recently the same year howard benson produced move along by the right. all american rejects yeah and yeah. like these records that album kills yeah i mean this album kills but like production wise they're just nowhere near and and i believe just like we're talking about with the look that they were going for, that everything is yeah, absolutely everything is intentional. It's just it's just so weird because I don't think I realized until today, like, oh, 
this is not just an awesome sounding record. Right. But when you, yeah, when you look at uh, Benson's library, even from that year, like you can see uh, two bands that kind of stick out here are um, Blindside and POD. Oh, that Blindside Uh, record. Right. But that, that you don't listen to that and think that it's like got a dry seventies rock. No, no. Thick and creamy. I mean, it's like all, (laughs) all in your face. Well, I mean, I I uh, promise you clearly the the guys got the ability to do that. This must've been what they were going for. Yeah, but you gotta understand budget is the other thing. Howard Benson. Yeah, but four months. Yeah. But like, you wonder if that's how, and how we be. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) I guarantee that rejects album cost 10 times as much as this one. I, I, that's probably true, you know? And, and, uh, and that's, Budget gets time. Honestly, the engineer probably matters more on the guitar tone than Benson seems more like a, and I have no idea. Whereas like Neil Avron is an engineer that eventually got into producing. So he's got an engineer's kind of ear. That's and, not and every producer, you know? And we have an expectation for what his guitars sound like. Yeah. I think Benson's yep. obviously musical, uh, probably more so than he is, engineering i actually don't know that for sure so that'd be an interesting thing to know is like how is benson engineering on this kind of stuff so i know he didn't engineer on this record i just didn't know if that was his background so hmm. um but yeah i mean I, I i would guess that they took breaks in that four months i'm guessing they weren't really oh. in the studio for four months i'm guessing they like went and laid down drums and then some guitars and maybe like fleshed out some more songs and came back in or maybe it was like a let's do three songs take a break because Benson's busy doing some other gigantic record, then do three more songs. Uh, be interesting to know that. Cause that, that's a long time. Like I guarantee well, they didn't work on this for four months straight. So the other thing I wanted to say about Howard Benson, I just wanted to correct myself on a, on a previous episode. I must've got Tim O'Hear and him mixed up because Howard Benson produced all of direction by the starting line. Oh, yep. really? I didn't know I that. I just saw that on the wikis. I, so, didn't, I didn't remember you saying that incorrectly, though. Last well, time. So I said I that he he had only done the two songs, and they had mentioned at the show that the producer just wasn't into it. I assumed they were talking about, in that statement, I had oh. assumed they were talking about uh, Howard Benson because he only did two tracks. Absolutely. I've heard that about mul- from multiple people about Timo here, though. So I've heard okay. there people that actually worked with Timo here that said that. <laughs> so it's kind of a little get it, get it together, Tim. Well, and it's he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, but he did some pretty, uh, pretty popular albums from that early two right. thousands and stuff. So that's kind of interesting that maybe he just you know I heard the same thing about um what's his name Ed uh is it Ed Rose that has the studio that the Get Up Kids bought. I heard the same thing about him. Right. It's like mm. basically, I think I heard that like the only bands that he was like super into were obviously the Get Up Kids. He loved doing that Limbeck record, those couple Limbeck records, and there's another one that. Um, anyway, but like some so, stuff, he was just kind of like punching so the clock. I I wanted to read uh, one more thing before we got into track by track and first impressions and all yep. that stuff, and it was this and like. It's crazy because I absolutely love this record. Um, I, I distinctly, I have a very strong first impression of it that I'll mention in a minute. But what I did not know until today is that this was a concept record. Mm. I did not know that. And and it's a continuation of a story that they started on their first record. So I'm just going to read you this this little paragraph, if that's cool with you dudes. That is fine. We'll Please allow do. it. Okay. 
Three Cheers for Street, Street Revenge. The story of a man, a woman, and the corpses of a thousand evil men. My Chemical Romance second studio album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, follows the tale of two criminals in love. After his lover dies, the nameless main character finds himself in a deal with the devil. In a bargaining plea to bring back the love of his life, he agrees to embark on a murdering spree, killing 1,000 evil folks in the process. Revealed in the last track of the album, I Never Told You What I Do for a Living, the unequivocally just as evil main character must kill himself to ultimately bring his lover back to life. It is here where the audience is matched with pure hopelessness and defeat, and the devil works in twisted ways, which can also be tied to the album's not-so-subtle allusions to drug addiction, suicide, and mental illness. Yeah, I mean, I just assumed all of their albums were concept albums. <laughs> you know I mean, what I mean? I, I, I don't, I, yes, I, I knew that there was a theme. Yeah. I didn't know that this was like a that sequel. Specific. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. I'm not surprised also knowing that Gerard Way is a comic book dude and he was right. prior to this and he still is now. So yeah. um, anyway, my one. Kyle, other... did you go ahead? Chris? Oh, I'm sorry. No, well, I was going to say, Kyle, did there's this pitchfork article that I read today. Um, I'm pretending I read it today. Not that I just looked it up for the first time, <laughs> but it, it actually has some pretty interesting notes about these guys working together. Um, let me just read this one line that yeah, I thought yeah. was kind of like uh kind of short it up for like uh chris please share your research (laughs) no 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 i just read this line hold on okay blah 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 new jersey blah 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 yeah new jersey Uh, by the way that's a great point again this is another one of those bands from the early 2000s that came out of new jersey which is insane to me oh okay 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 um uh, their first choice was butch vig who was too busy so they so howard banton was choice number two uh benson and my chemical romance were a strange pair when he first arrived at the studio wearing his usual uniform of sweatpants and a hockey jersey, the band allegedly mistook him for the pizza guy. <laughs> Everyone in the band referred to him as a sports coach, which is just kind of funny on itself. That sounds like what an emo guy would call a sports guy. <laughs> and then... Um, Are you Benson a sports would often, coach? Yeah. Benson would often say things like, what does this have to do with the rest of the song? You're confusing the shit out of me. And Gerard would say, that's the point. Wow. So maybe maybe there was a little push and pull going on here. It sounds like maybe there was this article. <laughs> I'll be interested but to it, see if we all have we have any of the same notes about weirdness in in uh, track by track. We will link that pitchfork article in the show notes so you can check that. From my research uh, from, from my Chris's extensive, extensive research. research that he did just this very moment. Uh, here's the only <laughs> here's the only fun fact I know, which I think is a very important fact. Uh, this went three times platinum. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. huge. Uh, one million in the first year it was out, which I mean, you know, it released in June. Uh, I'd be curious to know. I should have looked this up. Like when did, uh, Helena actually hit as a single? I can tell you. Give me one second. Yeah, I mean, because so yeah, three million copies. That's okay. Uh, that's legit. That's more than I thought. March it March eighth, two thousand and five. The first single was September thirteenth, two thousand and four. I'm not okay. Yeah, so I mean, the second single doesn't even come out until almost nine months after the album release, and it goes platinum, obviously, probably right around then, I would guess. Um, those well, are two pretty big songs. The the Ghost of You, I remember by the time that video came out, it was like 
oh, look, look at their budget. You know what I mean? Like these guys are loaded now. They went from going for it. Yeah, I don't know that like Warner Brothers wasn't already like chomping at the bit before this thing even re- released. I mean, as far as to do the next record, like I think yeah. they knew they had money in the bank. <laughs> so, these guys. so you're going to sing songs about brooding teenage <laughs> themes, you say? Get out the money printing machine. So that, that's a pretty good fact. Other Warner Brothers. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's the actual really brothers am. having this conversation. <laughs> well, you know, we've all watched Animaniacs. Yeah, exactly. We know who they are. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, should we go to first impressions of the record since we've kind of dabbled into that a little bit? I feel like it's uh, a good thing to go next, uh, Chris. Uh, since you were the person that actually maybe first heard it out of the three of us, what was your first impression other than vampires? Well, I liked so so. The vampires conversation actually was me co- telling Kyle about the first record. I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love, which right. I thought was a good record, but like it didn't just like stick with me. Like it didn't make me think, oh, these guys are going to be playing arenas in five years. You know, I just thought it was good. There was a few good tunes on it. Um, you know, and I, I liked the, I, you know, I liked they, they looked cool. I thought that was awesome. And then of course, all my friends were just you know like Stevo and Kyle uh, were super into it. Um, which whenever they liked a record, you know, I kind of liked it by, by proxy, but, um, honestly, the first impression that sticks out the most to me was the video for I'm not okay. Cause it was so freaking good. And yeah. it's easy now to like, look at all the like YouTube fanatics and, uh, you know, that whole play on, um, movie trailers and that kind of thing. But they, they, they did this really well and they did it first. Um, and it was a very, very very cool video and it kind of made you feel um you know kind of made you like sympathize with you know just that whole state of being in high school and you know like being the weird outcast and you know the 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 tropes of every romantic comedy and and you know the weirdo person in it um uh, plus the song was just really good (laughs) and then when you started digging into the record it just had some incredible incredibly moving songs and a lot of layers to it that the first record really didn't have. Um, I had no idea it was a, what what do you, not a theme record. Concept. What's the word? Yeah, no idea. Um, but it didn't really matter. It was really good. That's my, that was my first take. Kyle, but what about you? Uh, did you listen to it shortly after Chris told you to check out the band of vampires? Yeah. So like, <laughs> honestly, I think I, I did. Uh, I, I think that this is right before, I had moved away from Oklahoma, and so I was living in a friend's apartment in Nashville, and I remember they had released a couple songs before the record came out, and I remember just thinking like, oh, I think Chris told me about a band of vampires, and I think I (laughs) fell down a rabbit hole of like trying to find out who he was talking about through Google, Um, and then I remember hearing... I actually heard um, To The End, the third track on this record. I heard that first. And I re- I remember, like, I just remember thinking it was special. You know what I mean? Like, wow, this is this is unique. This is cool. And um, I, freaking, I freaking loved this whole record when it first came out. So um, yeah. it was awesome. Mine, you know how memory is uh, weird. I'm not 100% sure this actually happened. But I, I'm pretty sure that it was... 
the tied for second guys, it was probably Jeff that uh, probably yep. played this. And I, I remember it was at the conservatory that it was playing. And I just remember hearing Helena and I was like, okay, this sounds like a rock band and Danny Elfman had a, like a musical baby together, which kind of brings it back to the Tim Burton thing you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Cause t- uh, Danny Elfman scores all the Tim Burton stuff. And it just had so much like theatricality to it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just had not, I just thought it was amazing to meld those kind of two things together. I mean, it sounded like a, like a score, but a, in a pop rock song kind of thing. Uh, yep. so well, I remember, I remember you saying that me. about this record, Blake, and I remember liking it. Like it, it like added five liking points to it. Like when you said that, I was like, Oh, it really is like exactly like that. Yeah. And then I loved everything, especially Helena, um, which obviously we're going to talk about in a second, but yeah. Yeah, so that was my first impression. It was the first track, like I said, playing in the background of, of a venue. I might have even been doing sound or something. I don't totally remember uh, that part, but I'm a little fuzzy on those details. But I do remember it like immediately stuck out, and I was like, who is this? And I'm pretty sure it was Jeff that told me, like, oh, this is, you know. Uh, and so, I mean, I immediately was like, well, that's enough for me. I mean, you <laughs> can talk about uh, grabbing you in the first uh, 30 seconds of a record. Uh, it does a pretty good job. So that was my first impression for sure. Beyond listening to hearing that and liking it, then seeing the stuff, first of all, My Chemical Romance has to be at least in the running for best emo band name ever, right? I mean, it's a great, oh, yeah. such a great band name. Uh, and then this album cover is iconic too. I mean, it's yep. just kind of, it kind of defines the genre too. And then I think that the the style thing that probably would have turned me off if it would have been the thing I saw first before I heard the music, I ended up really liking because like it kind of brings in when you have like a Danny Elfman, Tim Burton kind of esque thing to your rock music, vampires or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's nice to have a visual kind of theme that goes along with it. I think I think that works really well because um, obviously that's exactly what it makes me think of. I mean, it makes me think like this could be the background of a Tim Burton movie. So, well, yeah. And that, that speaks to Kyle's point, which is it's so easy for any band to get one of these elements, right? Like, Oh, yeah. they're just really cool, but their music sucks. Or, yeah. you know, Oh, they did a theme record, but they all like, but the know, songs aren't good. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and just like the, the amount of care and effort, obviously this carries over into his work right now. I mean, uh, you know, the kind of personality and drive it takes to, you know, help create that series. He created the umbrella Academy after already creating, you know, one of the greatest bands of the two thousands era. Um, you, you just see that he and, and his bandmates or whoever works with him, they, they, they really put in the effort to, to make every little detail. Perfect. Not an easy thing to do. And most people, I applaud you, Mr. Way. Yeah. Most people just aren't that good at, okay. If you are super creative and awesome at something, chances are you're not super awesome and creative at everything. But right, he apparently right. is. Especially at like 21 or however old he was. Right, because it, it's one thing if you can write great music. It's another thing if you can write great lyrics. It's another thing if you yeah. can put together a visual style for a band. Most bands aren't even doing that. There's labels that are doing that for them and stuff. Uh, and then artwork and then, you know, just all that stuff that they were doing. And I assume mostly it's Gerard Way doing. Uh, you're right. I mean, that's just clearly like, and just an abundance of talent. Uh, and beyond well, it, that, his voice is fantastic. It's one of my favorite voices of this kind of genre. It doesn't get too screamy, you know, like the used and Thursday. And it's like, there's only ooh, sometimes shots fired. I'm sorry. So, sometimes <laughs> they got just a little too, 
um, there was kind of like two things. I'm either singing or I'm screaming, and I felt like Gerard did a better thing, a better job of like staying uh, in between and being emotional and staying in between. And it was it made it wasn't just like I'm going to scream now. It was like it made sense with the lyrics or what. Like he's very theatrical. It sounds like a musical. I mean, it's really what I think of all the time. It's like this is either like a Broadway rock and roll thing or it's a Tim Burton movie or something. It just seems very uh, theatrical. Yeah. Well, it obviously doesn't hurt that they were from a geographical location that was just oozing talent. Uh, you know, uh, us guys always kind of talk about being, you know, we we had the advantage of being like big fish in a little pond. But had we been raised in like Los Angeles or, you know, uh, New Jersey at this time, the, yeah. the bar for talent and, and cutting, uh, you know, cutting above the fray um, much higher. So maybe he was like, well, we're only gonna be able to outshine Thursday if we have cool costumes, awesome yeah, lyrics. Maybe you're right. Great album artwork. <laughs> you I, know? I hadn't really thought about that. You probably you have to put more effort into it. Uh, you're right. Um, any other first impressions before we dive into track by track, fellas? No, but I really do. I want to like deep dive and find out what happened. Like what happened uh, to Hot Topics? You know, sales when this band came out because I have a feeling that you know they go hand in hand. The success of Hot Topic and the success of My Chemical Romance. Oh, I am uh, fairly sure you're accurate on that. Let's, are they a publicly traded company? Can we, can we look back on that? Yeah, I was going to say, can we look at the prospectus from that year? <laughs> yeah, we'll track that down. They'll be like, why the hell do you want our numbers from 2004? Uh, <laughs> you want how many extra small black shirts? All of them! <laughs> All of them. What's that meme? The, the meme from The Professional? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into track by track and uh, start with the aforementioned uh, Helena. Or how do we pronounce this? Does anyone know? I've, I've been calling it Helena for all these years, and I don't know if that's right or not. Helena, Huenya. Helena, I don't Huenya. know. Huenya, Huenya. Uh, Helena. We'll, Huenya. We'll figure it out. It's French. You know, I think there'd be an accent over it if it was that. Helena. So. Uh, no, we'll it's a concept see. album. There's no accent. That's true. Okay, let's figure this out. Uh, we'll, we'll play the song, and we'll figure out the pronunciation in the meantime. Chris, you're doing the most enthusiastic air guitar, drumming, singing. Uh, so you can go first. What do you think about this track? It did not make nearly the impression on me that it should have when I first heard it. But I saw these guys from backstage because I had a friend that got me backstage for the Taste of Chaos tour. Very nice. Remember that? I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rockstar and Energy's Taste of Chaos tour? That is exactly right. And so we were... I, I just remember them walking out there and, you know, I, I was there to see the used. I mean, I, like once again, I'm like an okay fan of My Kimmel Romance. But when I saw them play this song, I was like, it was like, oh, these guys are incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a oh. great freaking song. I just, it, it, I didn't, it didn't, I didn't feel it the way I feel it now until I saw him sing it and i saw that band perform it um 
and it wouldn't have mattered if I was backstage or um, right front stage or what, what? What is it called when you watch a band and you're not? You don't have a cool pass. It's called, I forget. It's called the house. The house. <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. Sorry. I'm so used to having Lammies. Oh um, <laughs> uh, I, I used to say. I used to say something back. I, 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 what was it? I, I had a little saying when when we were playing shows. I used to always say. Uh, Oh yeah, I hate when people backdoor brag. Me and my friends from the U's were just joking about that the other day about how <laughs> lame that is. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kyle, um, that's how I felt. What were yeah. your What were your thoughts initially? Um, so I'm gonna I probably use this phrase a bunch to describe things, but like it it's awesome. It's punk rock, but for me, something that des- that's like describes them and this album is. They do these soaring secondary guitar parts that just, they are just awesome, dude. They're just ear candy, like these added parts that soar. And they, I mean, this, this, they start off doing it and they really don't stop. So this is the introduction to that. Yeah, I'm with you. The chord progressions, as I kind of mentioned in the first impressions, are just like amazing. Sounds like Danny Elfman was in the room or something. And then... That halftime chorus is just so great after coming from those fast verses. Oh yeah, um, it, and it's it's just a great not only opening track for a record, but for most people, it's the opening introduction to the band. I mean, if pre having I'm not okay um, being a single kind of thing, and maybe that's the first impression. But you know, if this is your first impression, this is a really good intro to the band. It's kind of got everything which we also kind of talked about with yellow card on the last episode. Yeah. It was like, this is such a good introduction to this band uh, as a whole, like from then on. It's like, to me, it's just really good. Uh, the video is phenomenal. As Chris mentioned, yeah. it is so good. Uh, and if you haven't seen that, you should definitely check it out. Uh, maybe a little, a uh, little foreshadowing to umbrella Academy, actually, maybe because it's all the, mm. the funeral, all the umbrellas, all the stuff. Uh, and then, uh, my only question, Chris, is he saying Tweezer, our Weezer cover band's name in the bridge? Or Absolutely. <laughs> okay. uh, we oh. existed at the time, so I don't think he's actually yeah. saying that, but maybe he was. Um, I, I like to think so. Yeah, we do too. Okay, let's go to Give Him Hell, kid. <laughs> I messed up the clips earlier. I like recorded them all and then I lost them and I had to re-record them and I didn't get the same clip on that one. I forgot to do, but we really do get a kind of a taste of Ray Toro's like guitar skills in this one. Like you're like, Oh, this guy can really shred the guitar. Uh, it's not just octave parts on top of, uh, power chords kind of thing. Uh, he's phenomenal. And this is kind of the first kind of taste of that i think uh kyle what are your thoughts on give him hell kid um i have bass intro exclamation mark because that just sounds freaking awesome but earlier i described them as um like un like unpolished uh arena rock or whatever and that's not 
when I when I took the notes, I actually had decided on heavy, dirty, unpolished pop. Like it's still poppy, but it's 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 kind of dirty sounding. And then my favorite part of this song, I love the awaos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just freaking awesome. Yeah, I and wonder. Go ahead. I was gonna say in the first track, I meant to say bridge. I know we all appreciate a good bridge, but what's but what's crazy is, um, you know, we talked about Yellow Card two weeks ago. I feel like I feel like My Chemical Romance writes a like if I wrote a bridge, I would probably write one similar, but it would be lame. Like they don't go all the way all all the way out like Ryan Key does, but like they do a lot of musical bridges and like one phrase bridges. But they're awesome. Like they just what whatever it is that they do, however it is that they come up with them, they do it perfectly. Super simple, but awesome. Yeah, this is another album that it was hard for me to not to just pick the bridge on every song. There will be bridges coming up. Don't worry. <laughs> they All will right. they will show up as old, clips as we as we move Blake. on. Uh, you know I love them. Uh, a bridge, it's my favorite. Uh, Chris, what what are your thoughts? Dude, I just I I know I say this all the time, but I just hate him so much. <laughs> when I heard the opening lyrics, I've, I've just, how do you write lyrics as cool as I took a train out of New Orleans and they shot me full of ephedrine. This is how we like to do it in the murder scene. Can we settle up the score? Yeah. I just like, I, I will never be able to pen anything that cool in my entire <laughs> life. And yeah. he just like, he just oozes it out. And and when you hear it, like with that, you know, the, the four, four kind of punk rock chords, the, you know, the, uh, the minor chords yeah. and, with the attitude, God, yeah, he, so good. The attitude is that's the perfect word for what I was talking yeah, about sassy. earlier. Is he's got like <laughs> he's got the mojo. He's it's not swagger. just a good voice and swag. It's like, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, my favorite part on the album, an example of that's coming up. But um, but anyway, uh, shall we go? To, oh wow, that's one oh, of wow. them. But that's a good example of <laughs> oh, like, wow. you know, it's like you could try to tell someone to do that in a studio, and it would. Just, not working he probably just winged it and it's awesome that is, that is exactly what i was thinking today like yeah it, it was hard enough for me to get like a yeah out or yeah, something it, like i just know straight and i was like this dude probably was like you know i'm not gonna just say wow i'm gonna say oh wow and it's gonna rock and yep he nailed it yeah he's very or he had some like thai food in his throat from lunch oh, wow. and it just worked it just played <laughs> oh, wow. just trying to get he got the number he got the four spice and it was too much for him uh, all right, <laughs> let's go. To, let's go to, to to the end. I don't know if this is scientifically accurate. I don't think it takes much cyanide. You don't have to drink a lot of it. <laughs> All that cyanide you drink? <laughs> yeah, don't drink much of it. They just put those capsules in their teeth, right? The Russian spies? I don't know. That's just yep. maybe the movies. Uh, Chris, thoughts on To The End? Uh, I just love the uh, the drums on this song. Uh, yes. They're just really cool. Um, 
my god the ride symbol in this on this album is just like right up front every time i'm it just is like that is the pingiest loudest right so i remember thinking that the first time i heard it i was like my god that thing is right up front it's like they were just like all right we're gonna do ride symbol and then guitars and unrest and lyrics and all that so anyway um but yeah the 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 um kind of what would you call it like kind of shuffle roll stuff that he does and he plays it really technically well um yeah and and yeah this song's like it's not my favorite on the record it's not not a bad song but it it's just uh, but um i like it I feel like That's it right. introduces us. I'm glad you brought up the drums <laughs> yeah. though, because it does introduce us to the kind of dancey quality that they have sometimes, yeah. which is weird. Uh, you know, it's got that uh, syncopated <laughs> thing <laughs> on the <laughs> hi hat, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I like it, and it's fun. And uh, my other note on this is just I didn't put it in the clip, but that like toned down neck pickup lead line in the second verse is so the, like, cool. Wah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, going yeah, yeah. doing sixteenth uh, notes the whole time. I mean, it is so cool, and the song's already good without it but that's just a nice little oh it's such a cool riff that again i assume that's ray toro doing it because he could freaking shred um kyle what are your thoughts on to the end so i have the same note about the guitar but i think it's actually going on in the first verse and even in the pre-chorus it's just so far freaking down in the mix you can barely Mm. hear it and i'm like dying to hear more of it but it's such a freaking awesome like is he tapping is he tapping on the no, guitar? No, it's it's like a no, it's not. I don't think so. It, I mean, he could it, be, and I, I I really thought it only came in at the that back half when the drums do their. Well, then thing maybe maybe we're talking the, about a separate part. But we might there's be. Defi- there's definitely a like barely audible uh, guitar part in in the verses and in the pre-choruses that's just freaking awesome. Yeah, maybe um, I was talking about the part that comes in after the first chorus where the drums cut out. It's just the guitar for a second, and then oh, it runs okay, yeah, through yeah. the whole second verse, yeah. and it's a yep. little more you know in the background okay. at that point. But, I mean, there's cool guitar parts everywhere, for sure. So, freaking cool guitar parts. Also, instrumental bridge that is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And this was actually the first song that I heard from the record. So, oh, okay. it, this was my first impression, and so I think I probably... I, I think there's some nostalgia wrapped up in this one for me. I really enjoy it, but I think that's because it was my first experience with Vampire Band. <laughs> with Vampire Band. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to You Know What They Do to Guys Like Us in Prison, which I'm pretty sure is a joke we're not actually allowed to make anymore, but here we go. In the middle of a gunfight In the center of a restaurant They say Come with your arms raised high well, they're never gonna get me Like a bullet through a flock of doves To wage this war against your faith In me, your life Will never be the same I know it's weird to go for I don't normally go from the top of a song But I just thought that's such a cool uh. way to kick off Like everything's been like a million miles an hour till now, and then all of a sudden we have like, nope, we're gonna chill this out. It's a bouncy piano mm-hmm. and guitar part kind of thing. Um, it's just cool, Chris. What do you think about? Uh, you know what they do to guys like us in prison. Long time. I think is it the beginning of the second verse where the Burt McCracken yep starts a, a cracking the the yes. a wah, wah, ah! yep, and then the la, 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 the like high part is yep. that Burt doing the high yep. part? I think so. God, those guys are like brothers from another mother, man. I mean, when they sing together, it's magic. That um, 
I know, uh, you know I was always a big used fan. I, I just thought they made great, great songs, but um, I didn't really um, pick up on the fact that, that Burt had such a big impact on their career, I think, or the use, I think they kind of helped bring them up a little bit. And then my chemical romance obviously ends up kind of outshining them um, as it were. Uh, but I, I, I just always loved it when they, those guys sang together. I thought this song that, that, that little, that little flavor on the, on the second verse uh, makes the, just like totally makes the whole song for me. They're under pressure cover. Very cool. Oh, mm-hmm. so Love good. It. And Howard Benson produced yep, it. He did. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on track uh, four. So I freaking love this track. It's awesome. And I think for me, like, even though there's a, there was a theme and I didn't know it, I feel like this track for me was the thing that kind of like, I could see this band doing the black parade and Mm -hmm. doing these themed, these themed albums like this to me, they, they they're showing like they introduced us to like the theatrics of, of uh, my chemical romance on this track. And I, I wrote down also, Chris, I'm a huge used fan and Burt McCracken guest vocal. Like it's perfect. And then my favorite thing about this track and it is just insane. And it makes me wish he did it more. He sounds on the screams at the end of this track. He sounds like a freaking mountain lion, dude. Like he doesn't sound human. He sounds like a He sounds like a big cat. It's awesome. Uh, I never <laughs> noticed the big you, cat thing. You, now I gotta go listen again, dude. You have you made to Blake listen. speechless. That's hard to like, do. Good job, Kyle. Like, <laughs> like I, I guarantee you, if you go listen to this, you're gonna be like, "Is that? Did they record a mountain lion and put it in there?" He sounds like a freaking mountain lion, dude. Maybe they did though. Maybe, Maybe there is they a mountain did. lion featuring mountain lion featuring. Howard Benson was like, "Guys, trust is, me." What? It sounds like you guys are trying to be a mountain lion. Why aren't we having a real mountain lion? No, let's bring him in the studio. No, no the quote, the quote that you read up. from earlier, Chris. I'm, <laughs> I'm just so confused. <laughs> yeah. Why do we have this mountain lion in here? <laughs> yeah, on this track, we really get to hear, I mean, the real shredding guitar skills oh, really come yeah. out on this one. I love the line, I won't go down by myself, but I'll go down yes. with my friends. I, yes. lo- I mean, he's got so many, he's got a line that I love in every song, but I love that line. Um, Homeboy can write some lyrics. Yeah, stupid, and I bet this stupid, song. Insane how smart I bet this is. song was so much fun to play live. Oh, this dude. just seems like it's just built for playing live. Like this had to have been in the set all the time. I mean, obviously back then, if yep. you've only got a couple albums and one of them's your triple platinum one, it's going to be in the set. But I would hope this still makes the cut. Uh, it's a really good song. Uh, it I, would be really fun to see live. I also really love how like simple and upbeat it is in the beginning. But like that bass progression goes against the guitar in such a cool, like complimentary, complimentary way. It's it's awesome. I do dig it. Let's go to "I'm Not Okay" in parentheses. I promise. There's your cool soaring guitar part in the background, Kyle. Um, what other thoughts do you have on this? Because I'm sure that was your note. I mean, that was my note. What would this? I mean, this song is great, but what would it be without that guitar part? 
you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it is a defining moment in that song. It's like, you know, I, I always say, uh, like when I, when I talk about moments like these, I'm, I always refer to Billy Joel's Uptown Girl. Like what would Uptown Girl be without the woes in the beginning? Yeah. Like it'd be all right, but, (laughs) but like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Uptown Girl without it. And I feel the same way about that guitar part on the chorus. Like it's a great song. It it would probably be a great song without it, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as great. I mean, that, that part defines the song for me. Uh, Chris. I mean, I don't know how to follow up the Billy Joel segue. (laughs) I do do love Billy Joel. (laughs) Yeah. I love me some Billy Joel. No, I mean this now. Okay. Well, since you, you kind of went into the details of why the song's great. Do you guys remember hearing a rumor that they hated this song? They didn't want it on the record. I definitely heard this rumor. Oh, I, don't know. I did not, but that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like it wouldn't, would it? Because it it, it, it's it's objectively kind of a weird, cutesy song. You know, like he just says, "I'm not okay" over and over in the chorus. I can kind of see like how he's like, "I don't know, man." I mean, I just you know, I'm about to say later in the album, uh, you know. What's that? What's the? Well, I'll I'll remember when we well, get to it. But I obviously, think, uh, yeah, I, I I'm curious about that because this one does, as far as like, it doesn't seem to fit the rest of the record as much as some of the other stuff because it is more of a straightforward like, like punk pop mm-hmm. kind of thing as far as like uh, the speed. And you're right, the lyrics are seem to be a little different than the rest of it. But I mean. Look, if if it's something they push back on, it's also one of those things that they need to go like the label or whoever told them they need to be on the record were were correct. It was a oh, huge absolutely. hit for them. Uh, the, and it's a great song. It's a great song. I love it. The video is awesome. It's a great introduction to this band that's not quite as hard to grasp onto as the other singles they released. Like, like Welcome to the Black Parade as a single is awesome, but it could not possibly be a band's first single if that makes sense. No. So you have to have a song like this that lets you then do that later on. And I know that would be super confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it starts with a piano, like single note piano thing and vocal. No, you can't do that for your first single. It's just not how it works on radio and stuff. It's, I mean, yeah, I say I'm talking radio, like as if I don't even know if that's how that works anymore, but in 2004, that's how it worked. Uh, and yeah, it, they nailed it. And the bridge, Kyle, I mean, you know, I'm going to talk about a bridge, that guitar, the harmonizing guitar Dude. solo had me. I mean, that's all you do a harmonizing guitar solo and I'm in, uh, I will buy your record, uh, silent, silent other than the, I know there's a harmonizing guitar solo on it. So you heard it sound cloud kids. Yeah. <laughs> so Just that harmonize those, those guitars and Blake's gonna, I'm in fund your band camp, whatever to, you guys do these days to, to what Chris was saying. I, it it did remind me of like okay so that guitar solo it, I'm glad you brought it up Blake because like it sounds like a like we are freaking partying and having a good time solo mm-hmm. and I wanted I wanted to mention this okay like because I agree with you it does kind of stand out and it's simple but I actually think that this is the first time one of the first times that I remember like the spirit of this song to me when I first heard it was like this dude is proclaiming that he's not okay, but he's doing it in a way that sounds so positive. Like he was embrace, like he's embracing that he's not okay. And here's this happy guitar, happy sounding, awesome guitar part. And I feel like it was kind of the first time that a band was owning their, you know what I mean? Like 
not having it together. And it was kind of cool and like, I guess, making a positive out of something potentially negative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's what connected with, with, uh, you know, they're a specific group of fans that I can picture in my, in my mind right now. It, it was a bummer on that last chorus on, <laughs> the, on the video version to <laughs> eyeliner. The I'm really not okay change from I'm not okay because yeah, that's yeah. like my favorite. Oh my god! <laughs> and then on the I, edit, I should have mentioned that I I that's my favorite part of the song because I was just like, good job guys. Yeah, way to it, go. Well, you know why Blake? Yeah, why I thought that was so good. And I'm sorry I kind of interrupted you there. No, but, that's that's um, all I had to say. I, because when I hear that now, like. I kind of think of, okay, so they kind of don't like this song. Probably deep down they know it's really good. Album wants to put it on their you know, or, or record label, but I kind of see him saying that, like, I'm not okay. i got to sing this again. And then he's just like, I'm just going to drop an F-bomb in here. What the hell? Yeah. Good on you, Gerard Way. Yeah, yep, it's, way to go. it's great. Uh, very, I mean, that's a pretty good lead single off off a record if you're going to have one uh, and lead kind of single as a band. Um, so whether they want it or not, I'm pretty sure they'd look back and go like, yeah, you know what? That worked out pretty choice. well. Uh, well, and it, the video um, it says here that uh, Fuse's if you, if you guys remember Fuse, we all watched it back in the day. Oh, but yeah. They, 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 made, they said it was the number one video of all time at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, beating out Basket Case and Smells Like Teen Spirit. Ooh. That's from a band called Nirvana Kids. I've they were the greatest rock band. Nir- Nirvana. Yeah, David Grohl was the drum guitar. <laughs> David Grohl. Uh, old Davy Grohl. Old, old David Grohl. Uh, okay, let's go to The Ghost of You. I just always picture the isolated vocals must sound so weird on a Mike mm. and Will Romance song because it's like he's very much going along with like what's happening instrumentally in the feel. It's like and those verses are totally different than kind of the pre and then the chorus and stuff. And I think if you just had the vocal, you'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> that mean, like totally vocal isolation. Uh, anyway, thoughts on the ghost of you, Chris? I like that we get to kind of show off his uh, lower range here in yeah. uh, verse. Uh, verse is nothing to write home about lyrically. It's really cool, but uh, a great um, example of just kind of like keeping it chill and, and loungy and jazzy. Uh, just that, you know, these guys have like such such a deep bench of different musical stylings. And obviously, um, uh, what's the guitar player's name again? Uh, not... Uh, uh, Roy, Ray, or sorry, Ray, oh, Ray okay. Toro, yeah, is the right, Ray Toro. Yeah, I mean, the, I think he's like a musical prodigy or something, right? Like uh, yeah, like, he, he's got to be. He's that you can hear he's, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so. He's just like, hey, this time we're gonna do this. Uh, don't worry about it. You guys can punk rock it up on the on the chorus, but I'm gonna do something that you've never that no one else could possibly understand. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing he's like one of those guys that can play any genre of anything he wants to on the guitar because it kind of does well, yeah. that in especially. Uh, Welcome to Black Parade. He's definitely 
there's all sorts of things well, going on with these cars. And this one, he's even doing some really interesting stuff when it's, this is definitely more straightforward of a record than the next one. Well, and right down to the way his hair looks, you know, uh, channeling um, uh, the Queen guitar player, Brian May. Brian May, yeah. Which they yeah, have? I mean. Brian May, Ray Toro. It sounds kind of similar. Yeah, there's dev. I mean, there's so much Queen influence on both him and Gerard Way that, like, that can't not come through. I mean, and then, I mean, it's obvious anyway without the under pressure cover. <laughs> that he and the guy from the used did but uh you know it's it, which is a great i mean gosh i mean is there a better band to be influenced by than queen i mean as far as it's pretty hard to imitate but i wouldn't say they ever imitate them it just but they're clearly influenced by them. uh kyle your thoughts on the ghost of you i mean i just put i love i i don't even know what he's doing but that guitar part in the verses is so cool yeah. cool facts um, on it yeah yeah and I, I really dig the song. I like the I liked the change of pace. So yeah, it's a good change of bass. It's not a ballad or anything necessarily. It's just, but it's a nice like slow down. Uh, yeah. We're basically almost right in the middle of the record. Um, technically, the next song's right in the middle of the record, but a good spot for it. And yeah, I like it. And it it still has the kind of soaring dramatic choruses that we're used to. Um, yeah. Even when we chill it out a little bit. Um, let's go to the jet set life is gonna kill you. Prescription, she's got something else in mind Check into the hotel It's a little weird that I didn't have like a chorus or a bridge or anything. I just had a verse essentially on that clip, but I had to get that Hotel Buena Muerte <laughs> pronunciation yeah. well, because well it's done. so, again, there's the theatricality there. It's like, I yeah. feel like you're on a Broadway show or something. Like, Well, you I can't, just, yeah, you can't phone that line in, man. You got to mean it. <laughs> no, and it's just, and it was like, it's so, if you, if that was the first thing I ever heard, I would be immediately weirded out, but strangely attracted to that. Dude, I can't explain it, but I, if if I had brought either of you an, a song, <laughs> I was just thinking where I <laughs> where I said anything halfway like Hotel Bella Muerte and like and, you and more Italian than Spanish I don't, there, I, I think. But what, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. But if I'd done that, you guys would have been like Kyle. I I don't think this is the right move for you, but it uh, is yeah. the right move for him. Like it's you're right, yeah. Blake. Like having heard all the rest, it's like. I buy into him as a front man yeah. and like, I'm willing to let him take me wherever he wants to. Like, just take me on this adventure, dude, do your thing. Ooh, well said. That is very, that's the perfect way to put it, Kyle. Cause that is, yeah. it, he does. This is just one more thing in the suitcase of stuff he brings along of like, all right, the lyrics are well thought out. I'm gonna, the music is the instrumentation, the outfits, the stage show, the down to the pronunciation of the way I'm gonna say this <laughs> lyric. You know what I mean? And that's just a an attention to detail and like I said, a weird creativity that you kind of have to just own. He owned it, and yeah. I'll, I want also, I, I want like a a YouTube series of Kyle like pretending to produce these albums, <laughs> and like like what he would say like with his hand in the ear, and I I want to I want to see Kyle telling Ryan 
uh, key from Yellow Card that he just he's not buying the California A line. <laughs> just no, I don't Ryan. know, man. You're not selling it. Uh, you know, oh, but you you just had um, uh, you know Gerard Way in here. Yeah, he sold it, man. He's, he took me on an adventure. I'm with him. I'm not with you. But, <laughs> but like, okay, so but having said that, think about this. Think about moments. Think about this record stripped of all these weird Gerardisms that we've already talked about, and right. the many more that are that are to come. And think about if you would have had the patience to get to the goods when you first heard the black parade like that first intro the oh, super yeah. you know what i mean like and i'm not saying it was it isn't great it is amazing the song or the like, album just that the song. the song yeah like if if i had just heard that song without knowing anything else about them i might have been like dude get to so what it. you're saying yeah, you're, is you're right that part of like gerard taking this on this adventure he's priming the pump that, for like, me Right, he's getting us ready for two years from now. Dude, <laughs> I don't that's know. Deep. I don't know. If he, I don't no, know. No, you're if he absolutely is. right. I'm just no, saying. No, like... it, no, you're absolutely right. Like if you if you would have if you would have come right to me and played the Black Parade, I'd be like, oh, what? So this is like the songs of three songs. I don't. I don't know, man. I'm busy. I got a lot to do. <laughs> just get to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, and that's, that's well said. Kyle. I mean, I feel like that you always get to. Um, these are always sort of like um, checks you're writing for later or you can cash yep. later or, you know, as far as like, Hey, remember when I, you know, gave you, so, like, I'm not okay. That was a great song. Right. And then I oh, remember how cool yeah. Helena was. And then I don't know. I just feel like you get to go like, trust me, like this is, you know, at that point, what you've not disappointed us with really an entire record here, but I mean, certainly not the, so- the songs individually too. So like yeah, let me try something else. Now I mean, we'll we'll obviously do the Black Parade at some point and talk about how you know some people could have gone too far and yeah and and maybe I wonder if they ever thought they were, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's no. like I said really good about balancing the like I would have laughed if any. You're right. If you would have played me a track with you pronouncing <laughs> that line like that, I would have laughed, Kyle. I wouldn't have been able to take it seriously, but also because you're not like, I've never seen you like, 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 like <laughs> go know, show up dressed like, like a vampire. And I don't know. I just, I picture well, he's in full outfit singing, by the way. I don't I'll, figure. A- absolutely. Well, dude, what they, what people can't see is like, I'm on our video feed right now. All of us, when he said that line smiled and shook our heads like that, beautiful bastard yeah you know like i could never just... pull it off ever. <laughs> I know. um we're not gonna play the interlude because it's like 50 seconds long <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah. play a 30 second clip of the interlude it's a nice little interlude though feels like yeah, flip the record it's fine. we'd start there it's fine we're just gonna go straight to thank you for the venom There's the bridge, fellas. There it is. That guitar solo makes me smile ear to ear. I can't not. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Thank You for the for the Venom? 
I, uh, my, I have a three-word response to your question. Hallelujah, lock, well, four words, and load. <laughs> uh, and is a conjunction. It's not really a word. I mean, how do you... It's a word. It's also a conjunction, but... Uh, well, we'll just have to let the experts I've, decide. I actually have some grammar notes on this album, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but none of them are... And is not a word, right? Uh, no, uh, that no, was not, that's not that, one of them. I just... I, the chorus of the song is another chorus where if you just took the the raw guitar chords yep. and the melody you would have a pretty good song you add the octave guitars mm-hmm. and you have a phenomenal song and yep. how many artists can do that like where you just take like it's two strings guys like it just and it's going up and down like it's not rocket surgery and yet he does it in such an amazing way that makes uh you know the song just angelic and Oh, so good. The best musicians... I love this song. The best musicians know when to be crazy and go off the rails, like in the guitar solo bridge of this, and then they also know when that octave part that any 15-year-old that played guitar for two years could play, but that's the right thing, too. Um, And drummers, I think, have 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 to do that more than anyone else in a band, generally, is like... Drummers, a lot of really good drummers are holding themselves back for the sake of the song normally because there's normally something else that's just like, frankly, more important than what's going on with like, you know, you doing some crazy fill all the time or whatever. Um, And, you know, so I feel like I, I talk about that with drummers a lot as far as like, there's nothing fancy going on maybe or nothing that would like flash and bang, but like that, no, but listen, that's the guy that's actually holding you together. I mean, in this case, I think Ray Toro is the guy in the band that's doing that, and clearly, like the the one that's going like, he's got to be the one that's going like, no, here, guys, we need to be simple, you know. And there's parts of this record where it's like a lead guitar and bass, and they don't even have a rhythm guitar in the background, and you can tell it's like right. a conscious decision of like, no, we need to hold back here so that the next part feels bigger and better and feels like it's going somewhere, and it's not just like a hundred miles an hour the whole time. Um, so to me, he's just like a genius for, for well, the juxtaposition of the guitar solo to that octave part. Yeah. And it reminds me of this trend that I've seen on the internet lately, um, where, uh, I, the video that comes to mind is this guy showing how simple, uh, I'm a bad guy is by Billie Eilish, like how easy it is to play. I'm like, yes, the beauty of that song is in the creative energy that went to creating that piece of music. Like, yes, anyone could play that piano, but God, I, I I feel stupid and almost saying this out loud, but you didn't come up with it. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to play after the fact, I, you idiot. I totally that's like not the complicated part. Totally it's creating agree. the music, not playing it. If you can create something that great and anyone can play it, that is insanely hard to do. Yes, and that is what these guys do on this record so many times. Is none of these parts by themselves are that complicated, but they're the ones that wrote them. You know, <laughs> that's that's the cool part. Yeah, I mean, Tom Petty made a living writing the thing that you're like, oh, that's so simple, anyone can play it. But like, yeah, but you oh, didn't. Yeah. Like, that's no. He you know. he broke one of the cardinal rules of a power single with um, uh, free falling. Like, it's the same four chords. It doesn't even change there, on the yeah. chorus. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, thoughts on uh, on thank you for the venom. Uh, I'll just make it short and sweet. We can move on. But leaving that, <laughs> leaving that uh, note at the end of the solo, I freaking love that. That little squeal, yep. squealer of a note. And um, 
the one thing about this song, like I love this song, but the one thing that bums me out, and I'm being super nitpicky, I know, but the intro guitars are about as gigantic as guitars get on this album. And like when the song starts, I feel like it, it shifts downward because like they just don't stack them and make them big like that, that on this album. So like, it, I feel like it, it starts so huge and I'm like, whoa, and then it gets small, but then they make up for it with the solo and all that. So yeah, this bounces up and down instead of like yeah. a, a build for the whole time. It like starts big, jumps down low. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on that clip we just played, it goes like to a kind of crappy sounding clean guitar almost on yeah. purpose. Clearly it's like, yeah. this is like, we just threw a mic in front of an amp kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, just it's it's very cool. I also love the line again. Once again, there's a line in every one of these songs. But the if this is what you want, then fire it will just works so well <laughs> on on his sort of like story level. I'm sure it's fine. It works well, like as a metaphor, it works well. I mean, it just it works well for the song. And it's a great ending line to a chorus, uh, which I'm sure was partially what you were talking about. Chris It's just how the end of the chorus is a great. Preach all you want, but who's going to save me? I keep a gun in the book you gave me. Yep, he's good at it. And I bet he just, like, vomits out Black is the kiss, the touch of the serpent's son. It ain't the mark or the scar that makes you one. I mean, come on. What an (laughs) asshole. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Hang Em High, which here's my grammar note on this. Do you think there was any discussion that they use apostrophe E-M twice in titles on this record. Do you think they were like, do you think one of them should be like, give them, them. hell kid? Or do you think it should be both be give them or, you know, I don't know. That was my silly grammatical note that I wonder if anyone talked about. Probably not. Here we go. Hang them high. Well, Oh wait, go oh, ahead, Chris. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, give them hell kid or hang them high. Those, that just doesn't Neither one of them right. work. You're right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, we get twice apostrophe E-M as a shorthand for them. Here we go. Hang them high. Kyle, thoughts? Uh, fun intro, punk rock, Riders in the Sky. That's my notes. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on Hang em High? It's hard to whistle when you're in the studio. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm really embracing, again, with the theme of like, it's got Hang em High, clearly about hanging, and it's even got the line in the first line of what what's the line? Something about a Western. It's got a Western kind of motif to it, and obviously they just went right, right into the sunset. Yeah, I mean. right in sunset. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, just again, like you can picture because of that intro that the, the opening verse just makes more sense. Uh, that doesn't happen very often that the music and the lyrics like meld together in that way. (laughs) It's like the instruments are helping paint a picture. I wonder who came up with that. I'd assume, you know, I'd assume Gerard, but I I do wonder where are Howard Benson's like little um, flavors on this because he's pretty good at that as as far as like he clearly has these little flavors. I mean, he plays the B three on yeah, the yeah. yeah what which track is that? The it, what either way he plays the B three on that track that has the intro and with the organ. 
uh, I assume that's like all him, you know, there's clearly not another a keys player in my chemical romance. Um, so, you know, he's bringing that kind of flavor, but I also wonder, it was like, did they have that little whistle thing in there or was that like a afterthought? I don't know. It's, it's really great though. Um, and I do feel like this is a song of like a good example of the, he's hanging out on the edge of that kind of screaming thing without annoying me. I don't like yep. screaming. It's not, it was never something I was into. And you so made that clear. I've made that clear. <laughs> uh, but Gerard does such a good, what a good job of, of, kind of walking up to that line without annoying me at all. And I know I realize I'm not everyone else. A lot of people loved screaming uh, in the early 2000s. No, no <laughs> I liked, I liked, I liked this. I liked just taking it. What did you say? Right to the edge? Yeah. Well, but not off the cliff and not, not using it like a distortion pedal. I felt like so many bands yeah. back then, it was kind of like, you know, it was like a, like a grunge band going from clean guitar to, to grunge guitar. I was like, Oh, I'm singing now I'm screaming. You know, it was like, it was an on off switch. Uh, whereas he just seemed to be emoting what was fashionable for that specific line or that part of the song or whatever. He was just, uh, making it, uh, have emotion and stuff. So any other notes on hang em high? No. Okay, it's not a fashion statement, comma, it's a death wish. Second grammatical note, I believe death wish is two words. They have it as one, but whatever, here we go. all just rolling our eyes because that's so good and i can't believe i obviously again i go with the bridge um because it's such a good bridge in that last final chorus uh i just couldn't not put it in there um chris what are your thoughts as you roll your eyes and contemplate why we're not as talented uh, as gerard way is the the song makes me think of my wife you know, about the time I had just met Katie, about the time this record came out, she was the one that introduced me into the used, and probably because of that, I got into this band. Um, I was also about the time that I was getting to be really good friends with Kyle. Kyle was shooting a little short movie around this time um, that I got to be in, and it was really fun. And I think the magic of a good song is that like, when I hear that song, it takes me right back to the morning I drove to Western Oaks middle school <laughs> to, to hang. And I don't even know if it's the same time. It, it was the same like general time. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music and God freaking once again, two strings making the chorus. Perfect. I just, God bless you. My chemical romance. I, I sorry. I actually got a little emotional hearing that cause it just took me right back there. It's so it good. It always does. Kyle, yeah. your thoughts on uh, it's not a fashion statement, it's a death wish. So I'm glad that you played the part that you did because I, I don't have to explain this, but honestly, for me, that is the best part of the song. And like, 
if it weren't for that part of the song, I might just think this song was like, eh, it's, it's fine. But that part on is so freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love the opening line, hip hip hooray for me, you talk to me, but would you kill me in my sleep? I just, there's something about it, once again, I don't even pay that, I'm not a, lyrics are never the first, second, third, or fourth thing I listen, I, I pay attention to, you know, I'm always more interested in the instrumentation and the melodies and all sorts of things, the vocals, and then, and there's great songs that I, like, read the lyrics, I go, oh, that's about, you know, and I never notice it till I read them. Uh, but he, like I said, just always has a, at least a line in a song that I go, I couldn't tell you what this whole song's about, but I can pick out lines that I know just like stick with me. And that's one of them. And man, uh, yeah, I, that bridge is, uh, one of the best parts of the whole album. And, oh, yeah. um, honestly think this song, am I crazy to think this feels like it should be the final track on the record? Yeah. It feels like a bookend to Helena. Or Helena, yeah, yep. however we pronounce it, it feels like a perfect bookend. It's not the same thing um, at all, but for some reason, I just like when it's I hear the song and a, listen again, it just felt like it should be the last track. It's got a resolution feel to it, it especially if this if this album is a concept and a story that kind of feels like you know them you know closing the book. Um, Which I think I, the reason they went with the last track is because of that la- those last lyrics are sort of, oh, I'm sure it was a lyrical choice for them than, yes. more than anything but this one feels like it should have been the last song as far as the I, instrumentation I don't disagree I don't disagree with you but the bridge outro and the last song are are also pretty No they're great pretty last songy I just feel like this one's a little better just a yeah. just a little bit I'm not yeah. questioning Mitch. look he's a genius <laughs> I'm if I I'm, this is just me trying to nitpick something that almost doesn't need to be nitpicked because this album's phenomenal, but um, it just that's what well, the it feels note, like to me. The note could be this could have been an excellent ending track. Yes, it would have yeah. been great. That you, uh, I think we had some other records where we talked about like you could end the record here. Yeah, you'd be good. Yeah. I feel the same way about this record. It doesn't mean the last two songs suck. No, <laughs> the, like I think they're, they're good. Like, I think you could just sandwiches. put them right it's just, before it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, like I said, I'm not doubting that there was a really good reason for it to be track 11 instead of track 13. But um, it is a really good song. Actually, I saw so I'm, I'm I'm a little I disagree, Kyle. As far as like I, I picked that part because it does really ramp up. I really like the rest of the song, but it, man, it really takes a turn for like turn it up to 11 on uh, yeah. once it gets to that kind of bridge. And again, really cool sparse stuff. They don't have a ton going on in the bridge. It's like they made it more sparse so that that chorus that follows it could be bigger. Um, Again, I don't know if that's Benson kind of going like, Hey, what if we don't put a rhythm guitar here uh, and let the bass carry it? I just, but it's a really cool, it's a good choice and most people wouldn't do it. Uh, So I enjoy it. Let's go to cemetery. Oh, Jim, Jim Adkins. If you could just get Gerard on your podcast to talk about the push and pull with Howard Benson, I think we want to hear all about it. Just, Just a note, Jimmy, if you're listening, I also just want to know anything about his creative process. Just yep. any nugget of information I can get. Um, Cause I bet you're right that he should be on Jim. If you all uh, are not aware, Jim Adkins from Jimmy world just came out with a new uh, podcast slash video thing where he just talks about songwriting with other songwriters. And it's uh it's very cool. So check that out for sure. Uh, here is cemetery drive track 12.
Chris. Uh, Collision of Your Kiss. Great lyric. The little guitar noodle yep. thing, the refrain that kind of plays, you know, ties this whole song together. It's beautiful. It's a great song. It is. I mean, it's it's it, the soaring vocals. I just feel like you already <laughs> to to requote Kyle for the fifteenth time. Like you already took us on this great adventure, and it's just like this song. You're almost like exhausted from emotion. <laughs> it's so you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're good. It's, so you're just gonna keep, you know, keep doing great stuff and keep making uh, these amazing choruses. It, it, I'm almost tired of it at this point. <laughs> Kyle, you're tired of the awesomeness. Kyle, your thoughts on Cemetery Drive? Um, I really like this song. I love I love the uh guitar part on the verse and then I love how in the second verse like they throw in the bass and it gets a little groovier with that same part. Uh I mean it it's those it the recurring theme for me on this record is just those little teeny parts that they obviously cared so much about. Uh they they do make for a great record. So yeah, my note on this song that I it's the one thing on this record that just like it makes me go what is happening? I hate the way the drums sound on the opening of the track. It sounds like they're programmed. I don't know if it was like they didn't have just didn't change the compressor settings cuz like obviously if you're doing that kind of drum thing, it's different than when you're smacking the hell out of the heads and you're going for this big rock compressed thing. It sounds right. like it's programmed or something. It's just weird sounding, and it takes me right out of everything. Mm. I just go like, "What's going on here?" But the song's I need good. To go listen. Um, yeah, it's it's specifically when they're totally bare. Once instru- other instruments come in, it sounds fine. But like when they're okay. all by themselves, it just I don't like it, and I uh, I feel like that's just a budget thing. Probably it's got to be. Yeah. Um, but I do love the verse guitar work compared to the chorus, which you kind of touched on. Um, that that lead line kind of thing that's going on. It's not so much a yep. lead line. It's more of like a rhythmic arpeggiated kind of thing that's going on. Um, again, He's painting. Yeah. Again, really good example of this song would totally not be half as good if you had just like a guitarist that played at my level. <laughs> and I'm like pretty good, but I wouldn't have come up with anything this cool. Uh, so yeah, it's just the benefit of I having can speak a prodigy. To that. Blake is pretty good. I'm pretty yeah, good. You're pretty good, but I'm not, I can't come up with this kind of stuff. It's just, this is the kind of stuff that makes me go, dang it. I should have practiced a lot more instead well, of chase out a girl after girls in high school. Yeah, but this isn't about practice. This well, some of it is. I mean, you some... can't play those solos without sitting in your room and playing scales for hours That's, at okay, a time. Okay, okay, uh, fair enough. Fair so, enough. and and most of this then breaks from that. Yeah, no, you you do have to practice that kind of stuff, and, and I was always too lazy to do it. I had too many hobbies, uh, and had to be a jack of all trades and a master of none of them. Uh, let's go to "I Never Told You What I Do for a Living," the final track on the record.
Kyle, let's go to uh, you first. I'm going to write down what I think you're going to say, and we're going to see if if I'm right. Oh, I hope I hope that you do write down what I say. I hope we've connected on this by this 11th episode. You guys know how much I love a foreshadowing melody on a guitar part, and what, what do you got? Mimicking guitar to the vocal line preview, dude. <laughs> And, and, and he's doing it and, and it's, and it's such a cool, it is such a cool vocal part. And so, I mean, I guess may, I I need to be on the lookout for one that I think sucks, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's such a cool, both of them are such cool parts. And, um, and I was going to say on the last track, we keep talking about how good of a guitarist he is. And in case anyone's forgotten, he's such a good guitarist that, uh, not to skip ahead albums, but I kind of have to. Uh, on the Black Parade, the final song in Guitar Hero or Rock Band was a song off of the Black Parade. And it was so freaking difficult to mash buttons at the speed <laughs> that he was playing a guitar. Yeah. And that's how good of a guitarist he is. You know what I mean? Like people couldn't mash buttons as fast as he could play the guitar. Yeah, I, I kind of picked that clip thinking like, Kyle's going to talk about the the foreshadowing and it's just cool uh, too because uh I don't normally think about it as much like this but because Gerard Way is such a storyteller and makes entire albums that are sort of concept and stuff it just seems like foreshadowing is a thing that you would do anyway probably lyrically uh-huh. so it's also cool to do it with you know instruments foreshadowing vocal parts coming up and uh, so to me, it adds like an even extra layer of coolness that, Kyle, you've brought that up multiple times with other uh, albums we've talked about and music that we talk about. But um, it, this is a really good example of that. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on the final track? Man, I think you guys kind of wrapped it up. I don't really have anything to say. Yeah, and, and to um, go back to my talking about uh, fashion statement, you know, this is still a really good final track. I'm not discounting it. And the way it ends is a really good way to end the record. It just felt like the other one connected a little bit more with Helena, Helena. I don't know. Great, great problem to have. We've got so many amazing songs. (laughs) Which one do we end with? They're all spectacular. It's hard to end a record too. And they had, uh, you know, especially if you've got two amazing closing tracks. Yeah. It might not be hard for them. Um, All right. Let's go to kind of our lasting impressions. Um, I don't think this one's going to be hard to, um, figure out but like does it hold up fellas somewhat (laughs) a little bit uh yeah i mean i think that it's it's actually um i had not listened to this one in a while i um don't know why though because it is phenomenal i know right i've somehow (laughs) forgot that it was so good i i kind of maybe gravitate towards uh black parade a little bit more for some reason and um but I mean, this one is is honestly better than I remembered it being because uh, I hadn't spun it in a while. I've got a few of the songs and playlists and stuff like that, but I hadn't done it front to back uh, until we decided to do this episode in, in a while. Mostly because my wife would be like, "It's too rocky, turn it down." Why is he seeing my bullets? Yeah. They're vampires. Vampires. I'm scared. That's not what my oh, wife sounds so, like at all. By the way, anyone that knows well, her, well, it doesn't matter because she's never going to hear she's this. She's never going to listen. <laughs> Call her out <laughs> by name. Uh, she might be listening outside my door right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's so good. 
it really holds up. Kyle, do you have any thoughts on kind of like the, you know, longevity of the record? I mean, I think I agree that it holds up. It's it's incredible, and and really, I think, I think maybe me noticing today that uh, production wise, it just isn't so super polished. It it that may be a side effect of me not listening to it as much as I should, and maybe at the time it's it was it was better. You know what I mean? Like it was a better sounding record. But man, uh, I think the fact that it doesn't sound perfect and um. And it still is just awesome. I feel like uh, I, I think I said earlier, like um, I, I hate to be a buzzword dude, like, but it, everything's intentional. You know what I mean? Like, er, they, I don't think they did anything on accident. Yeah. on this record. So I think if it has a downside, it's that he's clearly still maturing in the songwriting stuff. He's still phenomenal at this point. I'm not discounting that. I'm just like there are parts where like the verse of hang him high is very similar to the verse of Helena. It's like, it's yeah. basically the same thing, rhythm and, and lyric, rhythm and, and melody and stuff. And that's not a terrible thing to rip yourself off or something. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. So there's some stuff that blurs together because he does kind of, and maybe he's reusing it on purpose. Yeah. It doesn't seem that obvious to me. It just kind of maybe feels like it's, it's his comfort zone on some of these parts. Um, but I mean, I feel like that that's just, like I said, this is basically their, First big big record, there. It's what most people would consider their first record because most people never listened to the one that came before it. Honestly, this one went triple platinum. That one probably sold, uh, you know, before that. Did it even sell a hundred thousand copies? Kind of thing. Probably not. I'll I'll try and find it. But I actually read today that um, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge sold more on its first day than the first record ever sold. I'm sure it did. I mean, yeah. and that oh, was yeah, and that, that was surprising. three months before. Well, the video came out before, right? No, because they. Uh, I'm not okay. Didn't come out till September. Yeah. So even oh. without that as a single, I bet you're right. I mean, well, just the buzz. That? I'm sure, dude. There's no way that they weren't getting, and I'm sure they were on good tours and stuff at that point. The label knew exactly what was going to happen when they got this Man. record delivered to them. It was they, great. They were. They were the happiest little vampires. For sure. Okay, here's the hard part. Is it their best album? Chris? No. Okay. <laughs> Kyle? Of course not. No. Okay. No, it's it not. It can't be. I don't think so either, but like I but it is It has wonderful moments. So this I yeah. normally the two questions are like, is it their best? Is it their most important? I think it is their most important, but not their best because like, I agree. You can't make nope. a black parade without this happening beforehand. It just would have never happened. So to me, that's the reason it's important is because like they proved that you could have, I'm not okay. Is like, is just anyone could have had that song and it would have been a hit. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really have yeah. to be them, honestly, but Helena and, um, what were the other singles? Uh, well, I guess in England it was, or in Europe it was "Thank You for the Venom," and here it was, was it the Ghost, Ghost of, of you. you? Ghost of You, so, right? Which they did the video for, and I think it was on making the video on MTV, which always, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, and you, so yeah. you know what I mean. But like, so those songs are definitely different than what's happening on MTV and Fuse and stuff at the time. Like that, you know, right. I'm not okay. Could have been anyone, not this other two. And so to me, this record's their most important one, not their best because yeah. n- none of the stuff that happens, um, 
that they get to do and go on to do happens without this record. So that's my opinion. I can, I completely agree with you. I think it is their most important. It is not their best. Cool. Because you don't, you don't have my attention for the second record without this, or I guess third record without this one. Because I'm like, I'm there. I'm sold on my Chemical Romance. So like, just take me on this next journey. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have been there without this record. Yeah, I'm in. I'm always going to give you a chance at this yep, point. Totally. Like, without sight unseen, not heard anything, I'll buy the record. Like, I mean, yep. like after this record. Um, okay, let's go to uh, our sort of awards. Let's go to Desert Island Songs and go to Kyle. What are your two or three favorite songs from this record? Uh, so I'm going to go with, man, I really wish we freaking knew. Alina, Helena. I know. We're, it's, I mean, it's we should dry, have looked this up before recording the podcast. It's one of those things I've never said out loud, probably. And also, it's like, slowly driving me mad. Yeah. Um, so that one. Uh, and and um, thank you for the venom. And then lastly, uh, man, I I I think that uh, you know what they do to the guys like us in prison is my favorite track on the album. Okay, Chris, what are yours? I mean. Dang, he kind of stole. Well, he didn't steal mine. I guess we can have the same. We songs. can have the same ones. I mean, it's fine. But yeah, I, so you said Helena, Hel, 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 Huana, Mo- uh, I think it's Moana. Uh, Moana. 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 Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> we all have small I, uh, children. We have children. <laughs> um, yeah. So Hel, uh, Helena, thank you for the venom, and you know what they do. That was yours, Kyle, right? Birthday buddy. Birthday buddy. Yeah, man. I mean, and and I have to say, thank you for the venom. If uh, that song could just be like, you know, the drummer farting on a snare drum and that line, <laughs> "Hallelujah, lock and load," and I'd be, it'd still You'd be, be in. on my list. I mean, I'm gonna overlap with you all. I know I've talked about that line so many times. I just love it so much. <laughs> I just think it's so great. I'm gonna overlap on Helena and thank you for the venom. But I'm going with it's not a fashion statement. It's a death wish. Uh, I just think that, like I said, it just feels like such a bookend that goes with uh, Helena so well that I, I I just have to pair it in there. So how about nobody's perfect? Is there a worse song on this album for either one of you guys? I mean, if we're counting the interlude, that's what I was going to say. Do. Same thing. I don't think yeah. we can count the interlude. That's not fair. No, right. We can't. Yeah. So, not counting the interlude, is there one that you would strike from it if you had to? No, not for me, man. Cemetery Drive might be my least favorite on it, but it's not bad at all. It's just it's yeah. the one that feels like. But then again, it might feel weird to have those last two tracks that feel both like last tracks without something in between them. So it's not like it's bad. Like I just said, it just feels like a little bit of a repeat of other things we've heard in other songs. Yeah. It doesn't feel like anything new happens in cemetery drive for me. Um, so maybe that would be the one I described, but it's not the worst song or anything. I mean, keep in no, mind I, I when we're doing these from, great like, records. It's if I had to pick one to strike, it might be that. You can almost see him in the studio saying, "Okay, the song seems to kind of repeat some themes, some that we've introduced and already played. Uh, let's add a little, little Western flair here and make it a little different. Yeah, have a little fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, grower, not a shower. What's the song you didn't like at first, but now love? Chris, do you have one? Well, for me, it was the. It's not a fashion statement. It's a death wish because the, you know, the song itself just it doesn't like hit you hard, but you know, keep in mind, kids, 
that you know this is the era of CDs, so like you can't just drag the little dot to the part of the song you like, you know. Nope. So you had to, you, you know, you got the disc changer in the back of the car. You just gotta wait. Got to ride um, it out. But it was worth it because once that bridgey thing hits, you're just like, oh, that was worth all the time I spent. <laughs> so for me, it's definitely that song, that tune. Kyle, do you have a grower, not a shower? That was me too. But also I was going to say, um, you mentioned like the the themes on Cemetery Drive, you know, like we had had heard it before. And you may have convinced me to, to take back what I said and go with you on that because I remember thinking even today, like, yeah, the, it repeats itself. Like there are themes that we've heard before, but what's so weird about it is I feel like it's a more serious hang them high, which is only like two tracks before. So like it's the thing that it's repeating yes. is like, is okay. like right before it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't really thought about, you're right. They kind of, when you said that, Chris, like it does kind of repeat the Western-y thing too. Like, like yeah. as far as feel even. So it does feel almost like a repeat and it's not like, it's still a good song. I still like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's may maybe even better, may even be better than hang them high. It's just because it came after it. It's like, yeah, it does feel, is it, is it really necessary? Yeah. And I get you, that you don't go. Yeah. And maybe that's probably on purpose with all the like bullets and you know, I mean like there's clearly like a, he has a Western motif almost thing going through all three of these records in a row. Like there, it feel, I mean, it's like a punk rock Western kind of thing. So, you know, maybe it was like, no, we really want to drive this home instead of hang them high being this one weird thing that happens. Have you guys, have you guys heard of, um, Outside of the terrible crap fest of a movie, are you guys familiar with Stephen King's uh, Dark Tower series? Uh, no, only from the crap fest of a movie that I didn't oh, see because no. it got terrible oh, no. reviews. Uh, it's a terrible movie. It, it's one of my favorite book series and like very, very on point, like thematically. So I'm I'm curious if it was inspired by. When was I'll, when was the I'll when was the were, were, uh, the Stephen King novels written? Uh, I think started back in the eighties. Okay. So I, mean, I never know that because that guy's constantly been writing for the la- oh my, my entire gosh. life. So uh, never know if it's old or new. Um, I think that my grower, not a shower is probably, I know this sounds weird. It might be thank you for the venom. I don't remember Ooh. that. That's before like that song jumping yeah. at me as much as, like I said, like Helena, uh, I'm not okay. Um, and fashion statement, death wish, like those all immediately. I was just like, Oh my God, like this is so good. Um, and then I think it, like I said, it didn't take me years or something. I'm not saying that, but it did grow on me more. And now it's probably, I know it's in that top three, but I mean, it might be, it's hard to beat Helena. So I'm probably gonna say it's number two, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's a really, really good song. It just doesn't grab me, didn't grab me as immediately as as the first track did. Um, Any other thoughts about the album as a whole, the band as a whole, anything else? Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about what we probably think is their best record, which is the one that follows this on another episode. You'll have to wait for that one. Um, We thought we should probably go in order on these two records, though. I mean, don't you agree, fellas? Mm, Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for listening. Uh, and again, if you like what you hear, <laughs> please consider giving us a glowing review on iTunes. Five stars. You get to go see the NBA games in person. It's awesome. Uh, and of course, please, this isn't going to make no sense if someone listens to this in a year, by the way. They're going to be like, 
Um, anyway, twenty twenty. You, you you really dated us, man. I did. Uh, twenty twenty has been a weird year. So uh, of course, uh, subscribe as we mentioned, so new episodes conveniently show up on your phone when we release them. And send us your comments, disagreements, or suggestions to info at finding emo pod or on Twitter at finding emo pod. Actually, sorry, that's still not happening. Uh, I've got a yeah, new. Yeah, no, we just need to. I got a new one. That. I got a new one. We're just gonna cancel okay. that one. We'll get a new one. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. We'll just start using that. Although Facebook's a good place to do it too, because we can comment yeah. back and forth. Uh, and that is Finding Emo Pod. Uh, other than that, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye bye.